Probably science. I'm your host, one of three, in fact. I'm Jesse Case. I am Andy Wood. I'm Matt Kirshen, and we're joined by, oh, such a funny guest. Uh, someone I first got to know in the, the legendary comedy knockout writer's room. Yes. Like, it's gone down, it's it's up there with the your show of shows in term, you know, in the, in the pantheon, pantheon, of, yeah. pantheon of comedy writing. Uh, one of my favorite comedians, musicians, and authors, it's Dave Hill. Hey, Dave. Oh, thank you, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. How, how are you? You got a new book out. I'm excited. Oh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, yes, <laughs> I do. I do have a new book coming out. The Awesome Game, One Man's Incredible Globe-Crushing Hockey Odyssey. And it's um, I've written it for hockey fans and also for people that don't like sports at all. So my, my hope is that everyone will love it. <laughs> um, it has something for everyone. There's... Uh, a ba- there's a, a baboon at one point. Sure. I, I, I wound up, I, I went to Kenya and played the one hockey team, played with the one hockey team in all of Kenya. And uh, things who, who do they went. Who do they play when you're they not kinda, It's more of a club. They mostly play against each other. They're called the okay. Kenya, Kenya Ice Lions. And then sometimes teams come in and play tournaments from other countries. But uh, they were awesome guys, and I, I had an amazing time there Very cool. with them i i didn't know you actually played hockey as well yeah i i really uh it's it's the one sport that i really excelled at though that i'm maybe being a bit generous in my description of my abilities uh yeah but it's more of a form of autism really because i just <laughs> didn't i was really not an athlete at all but i was good at hockey and played varsity through high school and i played a couple years in college before damn I just uh, decided to re- go into early retirement. <laughs> what uh, What was your What was your position? What was your preferred position? I was primarily a, a left wing, a, you okay. know, for, a forward. Yeah. Um, I shoot left-handed a little bit. I'm right-handed in in most things, but weirdly with hockey, I shoot lefty. So I I'm the exact opposite. I played right wing, and I oh wow, uh, yeah, but I'm a lefty. But then I shoot right. I I like I do everything left-handed uh, except uh, guitar and hockey. Weird. Oh, wow. Right-handed. Yeah, everything else is lefty. Well, not everything. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Well, <laughs> but okay. Yeah. Sure, no, yeah. I don't. No. What? What? What are you saying? I was talking. I was talking about when I uh, masturbate. Oh. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. boy. Is that a then, is that a euphemism for something? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No. Just hands free. No hands. Um, oh, I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't try it. It's stupid. But I, uh, yeah, I was just, that's uh, that's that's incredible. That's I didn't know you were a hockey guy. And I mean, I did because we've obviously researched and read the book, and we got you know you forwarded sure. us the book, and we've done the exactly. blurbs. But but aside from that, I I'm pretending I've just learned this. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, you know, a se- secretly. Uh, it's my one one real. I'm not. I'm not really. In, I'm as a. You know, I'm not into. I can't even be around football. The sound of a football game depresses me. Sure. <laughs> Not really into basketball. I like soccer. I'm like trying. I'm I'm making an attempt because I, I you know it has similar in its uh, excitement to hockey, though not as exciting in my estimation. And it's good social 
thing. I like, you know, drinking beer and things. So, sure, uh, sure. I'm starting to dip my toes into Premier League soccer. Just but tell I, it, just every so tiny bit. I think also when we were kids, though, I mean, I don't know if it was because of, like, some weird lobbyists, but there, there was, like, quite a weird sort of early 90s hockey push. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was, it was like it was big for a minute. It was, it was like uh, the, those Mighty Ducks movies came out, and then everybody signed up. You know? Yeah, yeah. They try every once in a while. You know, there. I think around that time was when Fox Sports did the uh, the beach ball. They were trying to like, because the big thing in America is, is people always say, "Oh, it's so hard to understand what's going on," which I've never understood but i am quarter canadian so maybe it's just in my uh, dna or something was that a sound effect that you guys use when someone mentions being canada yeah canadian? that's the canadian yeah that was a, a maple syrup tap from a tree we have a very obscure soundboard um i love it <laughs> yeah i mean i i i uh that that's awesome i think i was mighty mighty ducks was when i was like all in i'm like i'm in dude and then it was like that was also the like when Gretzky was the Michael Jordan like Gretzky was just t- took over the world you know oh yeah right. yeah he really yeah he was uh he had a cartoon well I guess they, didn't they all have a cartoon together like it was Michael Jordan Wayne Gretzky and one other popular athlete I can't oh remember. yeah what was that cartoon I forgot <laughs> Just to update you, by the way, that noise just then was me knocking over some stuff on the table while I'm trying to build a sound shield to baffle the sound from the workmen outside. Oh, so oh. it sounded so just, cool. just yeah, just to, just in the attempt to actually make this sound better, I've made it sound worse. Just I just wanted to update you all on my progress. No, I like okay. I like it. Okay, so what are they doing with the concrete? Not to derail. Matt's got they, they're they're redoing the concrete outside of Matt's house. I I don't know exactly what it is they're doing. We just got notice. We, we got notice uh like a, one of those sort of letters posted through our door a couple of days ago that said, "Hey, we're going to be doing work outside and you can't park on your street um for during the day or during these days." And then today they're like, "Oh, also we're going to be digging up the um concrete of your driveway so you actually won't be able to drive in or out of your property right. for a week." Yeah. So man, oh man. So yeah, that's uh, you know, you 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 think that'd be the kind of thing they might want to tell you in advance so you can make plans around that cuz you know, some people have their cars in the property right now and maybe won't be able to get it out for a week because they didn't give us any notice well you'll have to get out of there using some bauer inline skates matt probably (laughs) there we go there we go i like that i like that you got them to sponsor this episode yeah 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 just just bauer and yeah (laughs) Yeah, dave i'm blown i'm blown away by this because i uh you are a man of uh of many talents I, I just just in case oh, listeners you. don't Likewise. know you're also an incredibly talented guitarist uh your band valley lodge supplies the theme song to last week tonight with john oliver and i'm just wondering yeah, what is the, the venn diagram of comedy uh metal and power pop and hockey it can't be it's there just can't a be circle. much area it's it just looks a circle, like a cir- <laughs> a cir- one circle no yeah there are yeah there's the overlap is not I think there, there seems to be a bit of well, the metal and hockey. There seems to I'm finding, you know, like Brian Slagle, president of Metal Blade Records, and a friend of mine. He is a huge hockey fan and has, at least until recently, had the world's largest 
uh, collection of hockey jerseys, which is uh, oh impressive yet shameful. At Ten jerseys. <laughs> right. I think he, I think he had like twenty five hundred jerseys. He has he bought a separate house to to house all of his hockey. Uh, ephemera. That's great. Well, like metal, metal and hockey people like love merch. They love it. Like, oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's they're they're a merch crazy bunch. I don't, and I don't know what that is. Like the collector, the collector gene. How like like metalheads have that? You know, oh, like um, oh yeah. Even well, not. I mean, it's not even really metal, but like no one has like a rush shirt. You know <laughs> oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. They have a hundred. A hundred rush shirts. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> and you would get like I was never. People are surprised to hear this, but I've never. As I respect Rush, and I I like. Well, you're a quarter I, Canadian. I'm you a quarter be, Canadian, but, right. I mean, but it's, uh, their music. My theory of why I don't like, why it, I don't respond to Rush's music really is that it's there's no sex in it. It's there's no uh, right. You don't get the sense that. Uh, any part of their end game is to have sexual intercourse. And I think that's very important in all art forms. Have <laughs> just a primal, regardless of what it is. It could be a, a painting. It could right. be a symphony. I feel like you have to feel like, oh, someone's trying to get laid here. Yes. Um, but I don't feel that from Rush's music, which is I'm, maybe why I don't like it. Or I don't, I don't dislike it. Anyway, my point is... <laughs> In high school, I went. I went to an all boys Catholic high school, and every whenever Rush would come to town, the next day in school, every kid that went to the Rush concert would wear the Rush T-shirt over their button-down shirt and tie, and they would just yeah. be wearing it uh, in the hallway, just rocking that like well, you know yeah. three-quarter sleeve baseball Rush shirt. I'm I'm not a huge Rush guy but i think that most of their merch is owned by like 10 dudes <laughs> you, you know what i mean I that, think so. they have like thousands every rush fan i know just has all all of it you know what i mean yeah you have to um so i feel like that's probably that maybe like a prog because like the you know the prog metal hockey basically just like the bad haircut cross diagram the like bad oh, yeah bad canada hair you know, like is uh, I don't know. There's something there. Canada hair. I like. We should form a band called Canada Hair. That That's is. Yeah. Yeah. No. I was, I was born in Kingston. I have Canada hair. Oh, real. Oh, nice. I'm in. Yeah. I I like this. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. It's a weird. I don't know. But I will say, the there's that Rush documentary that came out, whenever it was, ten years ago or something, and, it makes like. Not that they need any help in uh, being likable or anything, but they 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 come off as it made me love the band despite not really having a huge interest in listening to their music with any yeah. regularity. Made me love the men behind the music, the people, right? Right. Yeah, sure. Sure. Also, I gotta I gotta take issue with your um, assertion that there's no sex in these Rush songs. I'm just looking up the lyrics to Bitor and the Snow Dog. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you were already doing sure, that. It's yeah. weird coincidence. Prince Bytor yeah, takes just the reading his, uh, to the North Light. Yeah, you're reading your tattoos right now, right? Uh, the sign of Eth is rising in the air. Bytor, Night of Darkness, Centurion of Evil, Devil's Prince, <laughs> across the river sticks. It's all right there. Like 
Could they be more yeah. explicit? Yeah. This yeah. is true. This is true. I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? It was, uh, didn't like Neil Peart did most of the lyrics, right? He did, yeah, which is another, uh, go figure. But I mean, yeah. it all worked. It all worked out. Yeah, I was surprised to hear that. But sometimes, you know, like, yeah, Geezer Butler wrote most of the Black Sabbath lyrics and, oh, yeah, it's sometimes how it, how it goes. Someone, uh, Someone from the rhythm section will sometimes do the heavy lifting. Yeah, yeah. I guess you got yeah. your you got your McCartney's and your Stings doing that too. So yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, I also relate to your uh, hockey. Well, I grew up in Michigan. I grew up half an hour from the Canada border, so that's my those are my Canadian bona fides. Uh, but I grew up in Detroit area, well, Ann Arbor, in the Steve Eiserman era, era of the Red Wings. So, oh wow! I mean, I wasn't a huge. I was forced to play hockey from five years old on, so I can still skate as pretty well, competently. As well, as well, you should have been. Yeah, I did not love it. I think maybe I would have been more into it had I not had to get up at like four a.m. as a five-year-old to go oh, drive an yeah. hour to get ice time. It's in Mount horrible. Pleasant. I had to get up. In high school, I had to get yeah get up around four a.m. or something and drive to pra- we'd practice before school three days a week, and it was just uh, brutal, exhausting. And this was like, uh, it was a different time. I mean, like there was, uh, it was, it was like uh, pretty brutal. I feel like the things that happened were like kids would be in jail for what happened back when I was in high school, like in the hockey, in the locker room and things like that. Um, and then I went back for this book, the awesome game, uh, <laughs> out in I, two weeks, the awesome out in game. two weeks, October 24th. Uh, I went and played with my former high school team, like the current, the current players. This is a couple of years ago now. And like they practice, after school at like 3 30 and they have like a pro like amazing they're they're like state champions and they all they all are roughly the same size when i was in high school it was like the bar scene in star wars like it was <laughs> it was like it was just like debatable whether we were even of the same species the players on the team <laughs> and these guys were like athletes like they're all handsome amazing athletes and uh so yeah They've really come a long way. Uh, Ho- well, great. hockey has finally started allowing droids, which is good. <laughs> yes. Uh, the no droids allowed <laughs> hockey rule is brutal. It was time. Yeah, it was time. Um, it's almost like all those things from our, our youth that, that all the hell we were put through was uh, maybe for nothing. <laughs> like there were other ways of doing it. You could have just yeah, I don't, not I don't, forced us. To- yeah, there was a lot of character building I could have done without. Yeah, right? right. <laughs> well, the, there is a point, I think, like, with uh, I quit sports, sounds like, way sooner than you guys. There's a point where it was just extremely unfun. Like, it was it was always fun. I never goofed off. It was, like, competitive and, like, you want to win and all that. But then uh, it's just some, some like, 40-year-old man is screaming at you and you're, like, 12. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck yeah. that. Fuck off. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Not doing it, man. It's too weird. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. It's exactly it. Like the yelling at you and throwing stuff and like, and you think like, oh, what's wrong with me? 
Um, I remember being 11 years old and going to hockey camp in the summer when I, you know, because I, I had to go to camp to get good enough to play in the NHL, as was my plan at yeah, that age. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I remember this guy, a grown man, we were doing, you know, drills, and this is a just some camp, we're just trying to play hockey, and he's like, I have never seen something so half-assed in my life. And I never heard anyone say half-assed before. <laughs> I remember it just being jarring hearing, like, what is this new word? Never heard it before. Like just checking out your butt in a mirror afterwards? Yeah, it was like... Getting, like all, getting all in your head, you know? Yeah, it was just Mom, like... Mom, Dad, oh, how man, do I, I get to a full ass? <laughs> Come on, guys, let's get out there and be full ass. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was very like... Uh, I was like, oh, man. He's really... Uh... But then, you know, a couple of years later, I started playing the guitar and I realized like, oh, none of that stuff matters. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I can control this completely and not have adults yelling at me. Yeah, sure. exactly. Did you did you grow up in a household that would uh, build a backyard rink and fill it with hose water? And No, I begged. That? I begged my dad to do that. Because it was like I, I would always read about, you know, the pros that I worshipped and stuff and how they all had rinks in their backyard growing up in Canada. And I would beg my dad and he's like, no, we can't do that because it'll freeze the pipes in the house. You know, if you run the outside oh. water. And I was like, dad, do, you know, do you want me to make the NHL or not? But I did. <laughs> I did like I did make a, a net out of two by fours and I would shoot into that and I broke I broke every window in the garage doors <laughs> and my dad initially would replace them and then one day he just boarded them up for until like I was done playing hockey he just let me destroy <laughs> the garage it was completely demolished just so, wait until you finish it all. He did support in some way, and you know, just not not fully uh, the rink. But we would go, you know, there was a convent with a pond, and we would sneak there and and play there until the nuns would come out and yell at us. <laughs> what do the nuns? What do the nuns care if you're playing hockey? That's the. I don't know. You know, they got to <laughs> do something. You know, yeah. So they're like, well, there's boys playing hockey. We should probably yell at them. Yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of uh, backyard rinks in the neighborhood, and then two of my uncles were college players, and one of those uncles also went on to be the commissioner of, do you remember the IHL? Short-lived? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my uncle, I'll put an article here, my uncle was the commissioner of that for a minute, and it was like the novelty of, of the commissioner who could actually play, like he would come out and actually skate out on the ice to kick off the season. Oh, wow, that's cool. That's But yeah, the so IHL was funny, stuff. they were... It was like minor league hockey, and they were trying to uh, sort of pro wrestlify hockey, like sort of encourage mm -hmm. fights. Like when a fight would start, they wouldn't break it up. They would just start playing famous movie fight scenes on the jumbotron. Oh wow! <laughs> As really? everyone, yeah. This is sending the wrong message. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really weird when two players started having sex. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, the Basic jumbotron would, would really yeah. wig everyone out. Yeah, showgirls uh, pool scene. I, uh, oh wow! I'm I'm like 
I, it constantly blows my mind which sports where like the uh, manager or coaches or whoever you call the team leader, um, you know, uh, is in a uniform or not. Oh, you know, yeah. Like, like in hockey, they wear suits. But like yeah. in baseball, they're just in a baseball uniform. Like the coach is like wearing a cup. Right. Yeah, like 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 Tommy. At some point, this is a you know, dating myself as they say. But like Tommy Lasorda, is it as if he's going to be called, called into in. action? Yeah, at some yeah, point. you got to get out there. But like, I don't know. It'd be hilarious if like an NBA coach just like was in the shorts and just like standing there. They should have to. I do. I do think they should. Yeah. Because yeah. if, if I mean, if 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 Tommy Lasorda and is it Don Zimmer from Boston? Am I getting that right? These guys, uh, not at the peak, of, not in their prime, wearing these uh, these tight uniforms. I think everyone should have to do it. Yeah, I would love to. I would love it if NHL coaches were just in full pads, <laughs> just standing there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I I want the yeah, hockey coaches to be wearing uh wearing skates as well. Yeah. Just standing on the sideline wobbling. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how it should be. If they do it for baseball, you know, like you're not going to get called in. Just you're you're just hanging out, but it's like show some solidarity. Where do we stop it? Like, what about like synchronized swimming? No, I think all of it. I think all the coaches. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and a lot of those sports, the coaches, it's basically like at the Olympics. It's just your excuse to get a plus one. You know, like it'll be like a, someone's about to do the luge, and then it's like now you see them talking to their coach. It's like I don't oh, know if yeah. you need a coach. Oh, oh right, right. You just want to get someone else from the neighborhood. Yeah, it's like Olympics you just want to bring your uncle with you. Like it's yeah. what are you being coached on? What's happening? Like they're you're I not. I mean, the, the luge is definitely one of those ones where I know it takes a supreme amount of balance, athleticism, and and skill. Yeah, but I do look at it and go like. Nah, you're just falling downhill, aren't you? Surely the thing yeah. does all the work. Yeah. Surely you just you just sit in it, and then you see you just you know it's like it's like rolling marbles down a hill or whatever as a kid, and you see you're like ah, you're one one this time. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, just... I I just think it's like you're not. It's not a versus sport. It's like uh, like it's like bowling. Like the lane is the same every time. So like if you're just going over and talking to your coach, like surely you have all the info by now. Surely. Uh, maybe there's a different uh, what do you call it? A uh, wax or grease? Pat- whatever that stuff is. Pat- there's different patterns on different lanes, so you could be figuring that out, maybe or something. Wait, in losing, losing in bowling or bowling. Sorry. Wait, there's different patterns, like in, like they'll be like, oh, this one's got like uh, this one pulls left or whatever. Yeah, yeah I only, uh, I only found uh, this I out recently. That. You probably know this a lot better than I do, Andy, but I only found out recently that yeah, that that like bowling alleys have patterns to how they wax it and it uh I'll put, and that helps here. it yeah. that helps affect how much it uh the spin catches it and it cut, cuts in or not and oh, there are wow. and there are easier patterns that they use for commercial for like you know open to the public bowling alleys and then professional level ones they they're slightly trickier when i was a kid the bowling alleys would just shave uh <laughs> 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 Thank you. Man. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, I, I, you grew up. You grew up in Brazil, correct? Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. Where, yeah, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. This is below yeah. you. And no, this I needed to hear you. it. I needed to hear it. I need. This is good for me. <laughs> uh, Dave, one thing we like to ask all of our guests is, "What is your science background?" Now, this, of course, does oh. not mean it has to be some 
you know, biotech firm employment or degree. It could just be like, were you into model rockets? Did you enjoy building your own Lego? Like any, you know, did you blow stuff up? Anything at all? I did. Well, I used to set stuff on fire. I don't know if that's quite science. Yeah. Sure. Sure it is. Count it. But I did, you know, my friend and I, my best friend John and I, used, growing up, we we took a, a, like, a bunch of gum, like, bazooka, like, the thick, I don't even know if they make it, but it's, like, really thick gum, and we tried to set that on fire. It didn't really work. <laughs> um, I was into biology. I think, well, as with most things, the harder it got as I got older, like, by the time I got to, you know physics in my senior year of high school i think i was like oh this is hard i'm out so i know what chlorophyll is and then it starts to get shaky after that um i like a little uh baking soda and vinegar volcano am i getting that right yeah 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 Yeah. acid base Um, yeah i did in grade school i think it was about fifth grade there was be the science fair every year and i did my Mine was on erosion, uh, which is very popular in Ohio. Given, of <laughs> course, what's I'm of course referring to what's going on with the uh, the shores of Lake Erie. Right, right. And I fill I filled a Pyrex, you know, like a dish that you would bake brownies in. I filled it with uh, sand and put army men in it, like they were storming Normandy or something. Uh-huh. And, uh, and and then I poured water into the thing, which was effective the first couple times. Um, and then by the end of the night, it was really not really the greatest erosion display. But <laughs> the thing that really sticks out in my mind, as you could imagine, and I'm guessing you guys were maybe similar, what with, uh, you know, we've all wound up in show business. Um, I was, you know, considered like a mischievous type. And uh, this kid who was like what we'd call like a goody-goody back in the fifth grade, he got good grades and he was didn't get into any trouble. He was a real goody-goody. And he was playing with a Super Bowl in the gym where the science fair was. I even remember his name, but I don't want to say it because he <laughs> probably has a job and a family now. What's a Super Bowl? Oh, it's like a rubber ball that you could get at, like, the drugstore. I was born, you know, I grew up in the 1930s. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, So people just quit playing with the stick and tire. Yeah, yeah. It was just shortly after the stick and tire, there was a super ball, and it was just like a little rubber ball. Did the drugstore have malt yet, or was that yet to come in? Wait, what? Could you get, like, a malt, a malted shake, or was that yet to happen? Oh, that, yeah, that was 20 years off. Um, okay. But we, you would get like a Super Bowl. You could get it just out of a vending machine. And then, so he was playing with the Super Bowl and he was running across the gym. And then he ran into my erosion display as I was carrying it. He ran into it with his face. <laughs> it, this thing that was full of sand. So it was like really <laughs> heavy. <laughs> And he cut his face. It was bleeding all over the place. <laughs> and because I was known as like a, a trouble, like, you know, a mischievous <laughs> type, class clown type. Near the nun, 
yeah, they came after me and they're like, why did you uh, cut Matthew's face open with your erosion project? And I was like, I didn't. <laughs> he ran into it. Anyway. But also, now, but also, doesn't that demonstrate the awesome power of erosion? Yes. <laughs> it does. Or, you know, uh, what, what, what's in motion stays in motion? What's that? Inertia? <laughs> Inertia, yeah, that's yeah. another science thing. Look at me. I guess I'm a science head after all. My, um, my, my worst getting, like, getting framed in, like, same deal, like, you know, ne'er-do-well, whatever. And my my worst getting framed thing was we were, uh, we were having a school field trip to the Renaissance Fair. And somebody threw something, like, at the bus driver, but... Uh, it got pinned on me, and it, it wasn't. I was just, like, sitting there. Because I was, like, pumped to see a joust, you know? I was, like, all sure. pumped to go to the Renaissance Fair. I'd never been. And um, so while everyone got to run off and do cool stuff and then meet back at the bus at 2 o'clock or whatever, I had to hang out with Miss Bartlett all day. I had to, like, like uh, I just had to stay with her. I couldn't go do stuff with the other kids or see the joust. And she spent all day going to like every fortune teller to figure out when someone would love her like and i just oh had, like sit, i was like 11 i just had to like, sit with this lady who spent like 500 dollars, <laughs> like figuring out like if she would ever get some dick and it was brutal oh my god <laughs> she and she would say this right in front of you like you yeah like I had, gonna... to, I had to be with her and she was like well since we're here let's go over let's do this you know and <laughs> And uh, and meanwhile, like in the background, I'm watching like kids like in Viking helmets, like having fun. It, you know, like uh, it was horrible. And well, re- <laughs> oh my God. related story. Um, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, related story. Mike Michael Valbuena sent in a story about why cats purr, or how cats purr rather. Uh, so um, yeah, this is a story in Ars Technica. <laughs> It, Matt, fe- it feels thematically linked. No, Matt, it's just you're becoming an expert at, at stopping my rants <laughs> over the years. I love it. Um, there's a, there's some it, segue in there. I think uh, we could try that again. There's got to be some no, way of cool, connecting. It's a very low-res photo, but I love this story. Extremely low-res. It is an it extremely low-res photo from... <laughs> Uh, Wait, is this the? Oh, oh I, I I just click on this link here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is exciting. Oh, there, there is a low res photo. Yeah, but also the 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 photo is credited to the person who wrote the article, which I've also, which is uh, oh yeah uh, yeah yeah Jen- Jennifer Oyet, who is the both an excellent science writer and the wife of friend of the show Sean Carroll from at Caltech. Yep. Did you, did you just realize that, or you knew that before you... No, I mean, I knew that Jennifer and Sean are married, but I didn't know that she wrote this article before I clicked on it. Uh, oh my god, I, that's crazy. So, 151... So I'd, I'd imagine that's their cat? Yeah, yeah well, you yeah. look at the caption there, Puck is that cat's name, yeah. 151 comments, too. This really took off in the... Yeah. How many of the comments do you think are by cats? Like, do you reckon they've just, like, patted the... I've definitely had cats comment on my one of my cats commenting on a facebook post in the past against sure. my will um yeah but yeah, i get it so what's going yeah. on here what's the uh, all right well jennifer starts off by saying there are a few things more gratifying to cat lovers than a contentedly purring feline but the precise mechanisms by which they produce these pleasant low frequency rumblings has been a matter of some debate among scientists 
Now a team of Austrian scientists have determined that connective tissues embedded in cats' vocal cords play a crucial role in this ability, according to a new paper published in, ju- in the journal Current Biology. They, the authors argue that their findings call for a reassessment of the current prevailing hypotheses about how cats purr. I didn't know. I didn't know this was contentious. I didn't, so it's oh, mostly huge fights. Huge fights. I mean, have you been keeping up with the news? You seen all yeah, the stuff in know. Gaza? Oh, the cat so, purr fights. Yeah, the cat <laughs> purr fights are brutal, man. Um, so purring is mostly exclusive to cats, but certain other species can produce purr-like sounds, including raccoons, mongooses, kangaroos, badgers, rabbits, and guinea pigs. And cat. By the way, did you know? I think it, which country wow. is it? There's at least one country in the world where where it's illegal to have a single guinea pig. I'm gonna look up which one this is. Oh yeah, because... so you have multiple. Well, I that sounds. I I like. I mean, what more than what more guinea pigs the better probably. Yeah. More fun. S- yeah. Uh, Swiss. You're gonna do it's it. In, it. Yeah, in Switzerland, you can't have just one guinea pig because they are social animals, and keeping one by themselves is apparently cruel. Oh. Um. Yeah. So cats are usually uh cats are usually divided into the species that can purr, which are felinae, and those that roar, which are pantherinae, and no cat species can do both. I didn't know that. I thought I, didn't I thought either. I thought big cats can purr. I, I guess they sort of growl, it's different. Um the latter category includes lions, tigers, jaguars, and leopards, and scientists have suggested that the roaring capability is due to an inc- incompletely ossified hyoid bone in the larynx, whereas purrs have a completely ossified one, although the purring snow leopard is a rare exception. So, uh, the fundamental frequency at which cats purr, which is between 20 and 30 vibrations per second, but they can go up to 150 hertz, but that is lower than expected based on vocal cord anatomy. As a general rule, larger animals have longer vocal cords and thus create lower frequency sounds, but cats are relatively small and the vocal cords are relatively short, hence the curiosity about how they produce such low-frequency purrs. I, I, di- I, I had no idea this was a dilemma, but, you know, y- y- the three of you play musical instruments, you're fully aware of the the general correlation between length of vibrating thing and the, the note produced. Yeah, sure. oh, what, sure. 20 hertz is low. 20 hertz is very low. It is. Yeah. Wait, so, um, it, so they can either purr or they can roar? Yeah, so like the members of the the feline family, or which includes house cats, can purr, whereas mem- members of the f- panther uh, can roar, but they cannot purr. Which well, do you guys it... prefer, purring or roaring? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've never, I've never interacted that deeply with larger cats, so this I is don't like know. A question at a Def Leppard concert or something. Oh yeah, it's like the <laughs> like crowd interaction. Of, Which you prefer, <laughs> Paul Stanley? Yeah, purring or roaring? <laughs> Y'all like alcohol? Um, I uh, isn't the so that the feline and and then that that panthera isn't isn't it also a retractable claws or not? Isn't that other the the other differentiator? Oh, like the the ones that can roar, you know, they can't retract their claws. Also, their claw—it's like, you know, like dog paws. Like their claws are just always out. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's another thing about them. If I, I, I understand. I, I, I found out the other. For some reason, I just I reread the line, "The Witch in the Wardrobe." Recently, I hadn't read it since I was a kid. I was it's just a fuck, it's a great about. book. What do you? What, yeah. You don't have you don't have to downplay. Like for, I was bored. 
It's an awesome. I book. mean, but I but I was, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's a quick read because it's a kids book. But um, velveting, velveting the claws is the is the verb for doing that, according to the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Aslan velveted his claws before he touched the kids. Oh wow! That that Wait. means hiding them. Yeah, attracting them. But can lions do that though? No, they can't. It sounds like. It was C.S. Lewis uh, way off the mark there. Did he invent it? I'm now because one of the very first things that comes up is a reference to the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So maybe he did. He coined that phrase. Oh. Oh, I, I'm gonna start uh, using that. Wait, these are roaring cats, like tigers, lions, jaguars, and leopards, and they all possess fully retractable claws. Well, then maybe I'm way... I didn't mean to spread any misinformation there. Uh, Cheetahs have semi... Never prosper? Yep. Oh, okay. uh, (laughs) uh, Cheetah's going to cheat. No, they have semi-retractable claws. All right. Well, okay, maybe this is not the species... uh, The genus differentiator that I thought... Um, Hmm. Well, maybe we've we've learned something, then unlearned it. But I'm we sorry. still don't no, know. We learned why... about the purring. We learned about the purring. <laughs> we still don't know how purring yeah. happens, though. We still yeah. haven't actually gotten oh, into also, the meat yeah, well, of. And also, while we're cor- correcting stuff, you, you oil uh, bowling alley lanes. You don't wax them. My apologies. Oil. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, and so by the way, one I just theory. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go for it. What are you gonna say? No, I was gonna say I, I was also googling it as we were talking about it and found on like the Professional Bowling Association site like a list of. Uh, famous bowlers and their and their oil patterns, and one of them was, uh, of course, Billy Hardwick, Chris Hardwick's dad. It was one of the all-time oh, greats. Oh yeah, his dad was a pro. Wow, that's right. Wait, they so you can have a favorite, a preferred oil pattern? Yeah, I could put this link in here. Hold on. A yeah, second. I didn't think you got to choose. I thought the whole point of it is that the the competition chooses the lane oil pattern, and then you have to, you know, you have choice over the ball you use. But that's, you know. I don't know. I mean, but this legend pattern, it's got the greats. Your Amleto Monticelli, your Carmen Salvino, your Del Ballard. Of course, your Billy Hardwick. You guys know all these names. So so yeah. in, in Switzerland, not only can you not only have one guinea pig. because uh, well, I, So I've secretly this whole time been checking out how they enforce this. Because I was like, the guinea, the guinea pig friend checker is just a new dream job for me. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> it's like, well, as soon as I heard this, I have a whole new. Well, like, whole... also, I'm I'm now wondering, like, if one of your guinea pigs dies, do you are you like on a bound to either find a replacement or kill the remaining one? Like, what are you? No, it's like a Vi- oh, it's boy. like it's like a Viking's horse. They both you gotta. Oh, yeah. They go they go together. Ooh. Yeah, they go together. Um, okay, uh, you're not allowed to force domestic poultry to wear glasses or contact lenses <laughs> in Switzerland. So I don't. I, I think you should be able to force them to wear glasses. <laughs> it's a safety thing. I mean, I could see no contacts. That's cruel, but glasses—that's fun. Well, it's this is domestic poultry. I think wild poultry, if you can catch them and throw those glasses on there, Switzerland is saying go for it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I guess so. It just seems to me that if you can successfully put glasses on a chicken a house chicken right, uh, right. you know just go with it yeah teach a chicken to re- give give a chicken glasses <laughs> he'll read for a day 
Well, no, I mean, this, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, yeah, we all, we all know the story of the Swiss bespectacled hen, and I'm starting to think it was fake. Well, this is the uh, thing, like, on Foghorn Leghorn, the popular, arguably the most popular poultry-based cartoon character. Yeah. I think. I think There's so. There's maybe yeah. even others, but... Um, uh, Darkwing Duck uh, was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, oh, right? yeah, I mean, what am I... Well, yeah, the ducks, duck. yeah, we got the, all we got the all the... Donald all the Duck. All the ducks. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking, but there was this sort of old (laughs) hen that would would always be flirting with him, and she wore glasses. But that's in the American South. I I mean, if if Foghorn Leghorn was in Switzerland, it'd be a mind-blowing cultural mashup. I would like to see it. I mean, the landscapes alone, you have those chickens walking around. Beautiful. Yeah. I I say it's a windmill. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I, I just <laughs> I just googled this to clarify. You had Egghead Junior, uh, who wore glasses. The little baby chick who was like always uh, oh, trying yeah. to learn from Foghorn Leghorn, I guess, right? Or yeah. Do you think that's why it's a law in Switzerland? Is they saw Looney Tunes and they're like, we got to stop these horny chickens. If if a <laughs> if a weird southern gentleman chicken. Is ever, is ever domesticated here? We must prevent it from breeding or something. That must be it. They were, yeah, they were heading it off at the pass. Right, because what if they say like ducks have to wear pants? It's like these are Looney Tune based laws. Yeah, pigs can't wear pants; just sport coats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they can't purr, right, Matt? There you go. Okay. Yeah, so, here, here is a theory. One theory, so, since discarded, suggests that blood surging through a large vein connected to the right side of the heart caused the purring sounds, which is the turbulent blood theory. Discarded. Put that theory out of your minds, people. That Get theory is there. gone. 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 More recent studies pointed to a different mechanism. Cats constrict the muscles in the part of the larynx that touches the vocal cords, producing soft, low-frequency rumblings as they inhale and exhale. Basically, the glottis opens and closes, building up and releasing pressure, resulting in purrs. It could be that a specific neural oscillator activates these laryngeal contractions, but what triggers the brain signals remains unclear. But it's believed to be entirely... Purring is believed to be entirely reliant on neural-driven muscle contractions, i.e. the active muscle contraction hypothesis, which is contrary to how most mammals produce vocal sounds via self-sustaining oscillations of the tissues in the larynx, which is the myoelastic aerodynamic principle or mead there is uh and there is there isn't much direct empirical evidence for amc so the authors of this latest paper set out to test the hypothesis further okay so this is interesting so this is basically as from from what i understand this is again to put it in sort of musical instrument terms the dis- the difference between the way our vocal cords work which is that you know the air goes past them and that naturally causes them to vibrate at whatever you know, we we t- we tighten and loosen our vocal cords through the the muscles, but we don't actually oscillate them. So that's sort of its passive oscillation, right. uh, the way a musical instrument would. You like you hit a you hit a guitar string or whatever, and then it just vibrates. Versus actively doing the vibration by like opening and closing or, or tightening and relaxing a muscle at that frequency. Sure, sure. The the sustainer pickup of of cats. Yeah, Sh- or almost sure. like, you know, like almost like a sort of a, a synthesizer. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're you're artificially generating a signal. Um, you're oscillating your signal. Yeah, but uh, do we 
Do we know why they do it? That's the, 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 the mogies. Um, so we yeah, we. Um, no, it says in this article we do not know why they do it. Um, but what they did is they they excised the larynxes of eight newly deceased domestic cats, all of which had contracted terminal diseases resulting in their euthanization. Sorry, that's the sad bit over. Uh, owners gave consent. Um, the larynxes were properly promptly flash frozen in liquid nitrogen and stored at minus twenty Celsius. They were th- slowly thawed at room temperature the night before the experiments. Each larynx was cleaned, photographed, and mounted on a vertical tube, which was used to supply heated air with 100% humidity to the larynx. They were stabilized using Lego blocks and 3D printed plastic mounts. She's really going into depth in the actual, like, like this is how you do it at home if you're trying right, to do your own right, cat experiments. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Not in Switzerland. Yeah, mini electrodes were attached to the thyroid cartilage, one on each side, to record the... Uh, electroglossographic uh, signal, the EGG. Gradually, the opening and closing a magnetic valve in the air supply chain controlled the subglottal pressure by pumping in air, which drove the oscillation of the mounted larynxes. One larynx also underwent standard histological analysis while another was CT scanned. The authors successfully produced purring sounds in all eight of the larynxes when air was pumped through them with no need for muscle contractions. Given that the adjacent muscles had been removed when excising the larynxes, so what was driving the purr? So this is passive, um, right? This is more like the guitar they, string than the yeah. Yeah, this they concluded that it was the presence of connected tissue embedded in the vocal cords, which also served to lower the frequency of the purring sounds. So they rely on the same mead-based mechanisms to purr as other mammals do for the vocalizations. But this so, all this also makes the cat synthesizer completely possible. It does, yes. Absolutely. I mean, you could you could tune these vocal cords to different notes and, and have it. Yeah, I, th- oh, I think that's yeah. the big takeaway from this. Yep. This could it, be a, gu- a guitar pedal. Mm-hmm. The cat per pedal. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it, it does say in this as a caveat, it doesn't mean that the AMC hypothesis has been entirely debunked, but it needs to be revised. It's possible some combination of the two produces the low-frequency purrs. Um, but, yeah. After all that, it's basically the same mechanism as how I'm talking right now. It's just surprisingly lower pitched. Yeah, they think. just it's these extra vocal folds that somehow lower the pitch. Yeah, um, and it, it does it does go on. The end of this article does mention some some hypotheses, but untested and unknown as to why cats purr. For example, it might be uh, they purr when nursing to reassure their offspring and when in labor which has led to the suggestion that it may release a hormone in cat brains to help them relax or relieve pain or promote healing. And a cat's purr is subtly different, apparently, when a feline is angling its human for food. So according to a, a, a study in 2009, so-called solicitation purrs contain a high-frequency component that is absent from a typical purr. And human subjects consistently rated those solicitation purrs as less pleasant and more urgent. Uh, which, yeah, I think I, I'm very aware of those ones. Like that... Um, of our two cats, that's that's a Doug move. He sort of lies on top of you, <laughs> pins you down, and then purrs insistently at you. And that's definitely a feed me deal rather than a I'm content. I like I, solicitation purr is another good band name. I think Canada Hair <laughs> opening for solicitation purr. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Wow, this is very this is very interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna have to give give the cats more of a listen. Oh, I mean, you, you guys. You, uh, Matt has cats. Do, uh, do you guys? Does everyone have cats? I don't have cats. I, I don't have, either. I have. Uh, I have two. I have two. I had one, and now I have two. And it's very. Uh, it's. I. I recently went to my first uh, cat cafe. 
Ooh. Um, in Asheville, North Carolina, and I didn't know that it was uh, that they're all up for adoption. You know, like that's the oh. that's the front of the cat cafe. Like interesting. Yeah. So you have to like make a reservation, and because they can't just let in a million people, it'll freak out all the cats. So yeah. it's like a one hour time slot, and you get some coffee and just hang out. Um, but I that was that was like put on me when I got there that they're all up for adoption. And like I went and sat down and immediately this elderly cat just like gets in my lap and it's like rolling over for belly rubs. It was so hard to leave like without that cat. I have too many. I've got two. I can't. Two is, I can't. Two is enough. Yeah. I can't yeah. have another cat, but it was, seems it was like a good amount. Yeah. I'm, I'm it, allergic. Otherwise I would definitely have cats. I mean, it's too, too many. Like, I don't think anyone, I, I love them very much. I'm glad, but it's like I don't think anyone plans on it. They just sh- they show up and then you have one, you know. Yeah, that's how it happens. That's for- part of the fun. Yeah. How did your second ones both happen, Matt and Jesse? I forgot you both had two. Um, well, our one was Doug needed a playmate, and he you know because he also kept attacking us. And a friend who's an animal behaviorist said it's because yeah he never learned bike control. Which is apparently something that happens when they're like socialized with other cats. Mm. Uh, so he'd leap out from the darkness and sort of savage us. Right. And also, we needed someone who was like like a cat that was pretty playful because uh, he's really playful. So we got we and then like someone was fostering a really playful kitten that just has a lot of energy. And so we got we got Kevin, and then they instantly fell into the pattern of the second we got Kevin, Doug <laughs> just became a moody just became like a moody teenager and kevin wants to play with him all the time and it's just like it's moody teenager annoying younger, bro- younger brother entirely yeah like doug's just like uh, and hisses at him and then just flounces off and then sometimes they chase each other but sure. a lot of the time kevin just wants to play constantly and we have to play with him so he doesn't bother doug so i what- just wanted to say i thought that as you were talking i thought well doug is the best cat name I've ever heard. And then when you introduced the fact that there's a cat named Kevin, I was like, well, I mean, we have a new new number one. <laughs> yeah. That's the best Thank cat you. name I've ever heard. Ke- Kevin Kevin was nearly Archie. He was Archie for a minute, but we felt like Doug and Kevin have a better feel to them, like as a, right. as a double X. Let's just go together. Oh, yeah. Those are, I mean, that's tough to beat. It is. As it a is. cat combo. Doug yeah. and Kevin. They sound like they could run errands. Yeah, you could yeah. just leave the house to them for a while if you had to go yeah. do something. Yeah, there's a, there's a, <laughs> you know, I but the the trouble is that you can, but they will get into scrapes, and that's that's a problem. Oh, yeah. So you know, my, it was a nightmare introducing my two because I like. It's sort of same deal here. It's like I had, I found one. This is seven years ago now, and then last year, uh, my my cat grooms uh, Sylvia. She uh, she grooms herself like in front of the window because it's warm, and all these neighborhood pervert cats were hanging out watching her <laughs> have a shower. You know, every day. I'm serious. It was like a it was like a show. Like you know, in their trench coats in the bushes, and one of these pervert cats that was hanging out with this gang of feral cats in my neighborhood um, was all messed up, like not, uh, you know, ex- sort of exposed ribs, um, not the bone, but, but you know, like like not not enough food and bloody, yeah. bloody ears and stuff. So I started putting out food, and then this cat just moved on to my deck 
which I mistakenly thought was a male. So I, I named him Alfie and then eventually saw it was a, a so now I got a girl named Alfie. But yeah, she's she's moved in now. Uh, so now I've got these two. But it's it's uh, but Alfie has FIV. She has like cat AIDS. Oh and then, wow! And Sylvia has asthma, so Sylvia can't really protect herself because she'll get an asthma attack. Alfie will give somebody cat AIDS, give another cat. So I it took me like six months before I could even leave them alone. Like they had to be separated because any scrap could be like really bad if there was any blood transfer or anything. So uh, how do you how do you present prevent that from happening? Like what do you do? Is it I just had to be really really sure. It took forever. Like I had to do, you know, that we've talked about that like Jackson Galaxy system, but I took it over a course of like months. Um so when they so now they play with each other. They'll chase each other and stuff, but um it's always with like claws retracted. Like when they swatted each other, it's never with claws out. But that took Right. They velveted. Yeah, they're velveted. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, but it took a lot of like weird positive reinforcement and a lot of like just like clapping when they would get too close, then separating for a while. Um, I have to have your sp- for for every cat you have, you're supposed to have one extra litter box um, and one extra food and water bowl, so there's no resource competition. So my place, so I've got like three litter boxes. It fucking sucks. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I love it. I love it. But I can't have another one. I'm not doing it. No. I want I want to say before it gets too far away, I, I think the Pervert Cats is also a good band name. Just I'm keeping track of this. <laughs> oh, got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Another a full good. festival lineup already here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sort of with our, like, uh, our, it's like we all we all wear nothing but a trench coat and cover Sultans of Swing. Like, oh, my with, gosh. <laughs> yeah. With the Pervert Cats. Yeah. I forgot the second name okay. already. Canada Hair, uh, something. Can- uh, Canada Hair is the with- best. Canada Hair is the best one. I mean, that's just yeah, an incredible band I- name. Yeah, Canada Hair is the strongest. I can't. Now I can't remember the second one. Kitty. I- was it Space Junk? No. No. Nope. Uh, I but I I think we got to call it Canada Hair is Canada is, Hair wins leaps and bounds. A space Space form. Junk would be a cool band name. But it's it sucks. There's nothing. There's no news about it or whatever. It's kind of a bummer. Uh, solicitation like purse. Oh, solicitation purse. Yeah, that's not bad. Nope. But yeah, Canada yep. Hair is the one. That's the winner. Yeah. There 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 is a Space Junk story that was sent in by Justin Broad. No, is there? What? Yep. Click on it. So, is the first ever fine. Yeah, the first ever fine issued by the FCC, a $150,000 penalty to the Dish Network for failing to properly deorbit a satellite called Echo Star 7, which has been in orbit since tw- uh, 2002. So, um, wow. Yeah, so. Fucking Dish. I mean, it, 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 it is. <laughs> it's, it, it's a pathetic fine as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I saw, I saw another article about this, which said like Dish Network had a turnover last year of I think it was some, it was in the tens of billions. So turnover of one hundred and fifty, mm. like annual. <clears throat> oh right, turnover, right. Like the amount, yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, cash flow basically. So oh. the yeah, one hundred and fifty thousand is like pennies to them. That's... Like it less than yeah it's yeah, yeah it, it's it's absolutely nothing like like if the fine for driving drunk was 
like five cents you'd be like oh okay cool i can pay five cents to drive drunk uh like if you pay this money you get to do it well i've, I've always thought that stuff should be proportional like there are also there are some countries where it is i'm trying to remember where this, uh, there's like at least that, one if, european country where fines are proportional and a billionaire got a like a ridiculous like a six-figure fine for a parking ticket right but, but also like if you're if you were uh, super impoverished, it could like ruin your whole life. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you know, and that yeah. seems very unfair to me. So, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about those things or how they'd find those things out, and I don't know if it's really. I, I, I'm sure it would bring up a bunch of other unfair issues if you did that. Surely, but I, I'm just like, yeah, 150 seems real low. But at the same time, you know, I, if I deorbited my satellite improperly and got slapped with that, it's over. Yeah, you know, I yeah. got really got to keep sure. an eye on that satellite. Yeah, that would really that would that would that would screw you up. You can't, you can't you you're so careful with your satellites as a result. Like I've seen you how conscientious you are. I know, but these billionaire companies can just do whatever with their satellites. Is yeah, exactly. You know, so Finland. Here we go. It's in Finland where where fines for traffic fines are proportional to income. So a millionaire was fined a record one hundred thirty thousand dollars for speeding. Wow. Oh, wow, I love it. See Finland. Wow. Amazing yep. country. Wait till they find out he's got three guinea pigs. That guy's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, it's got to be even, num- greater than one and even. Yes. Is that what the story is? Yeah. Yes. They can pair up. <laughs> yeah, you need one guinea pig for every guinea pig. <laughs> That's that. Oh, man. <laughs> man, that seems like that spirals out of control quick. If you need one guinea pig for each guinea pig it's sort of a self arguably self-fulfilling it's like right. gremlins it don't feed you can't feed gremlins after midnight but it's always after midnight yeah when does the day restart they don't say if they just said like until sunrise or something it would have been so much easier to follow yeah it's oh, man i've never understood that so what's happening with the space junk matt this dish network's just dumping their stuff wherever they want yeah well, so they, they made a pledge you know they made a pledge and they they didn't follow through yeah they, so I, I don't I, th- I think that's the thing like they've been fined but I don't think they can do anything about it now so they they pledged in 2012 to elevate the satellite to 300 kilometers of height above its operational arc but with fuel running low it retired the satellite at an altitude of just over 120 kilometers above and um yeah, yeah. The same. So the FCC Enforcement Bureau Chief uh, Loyan Eagle says this is a breakthrough settlement, making it very clear the FCC has strong enforcement authority and capability to enforce its vitally important space debris rules. The FCC says the settlement includes an admission of liability from the company and an agreement to adhere to a compliance plan and pay a penalty of one hundred fifty thousand. Again, like. Yeah, very strong message. One hundred fifty thousand to a company that turns that over in half a day, um, not even. Um, in in a statement on Tuesday, Dish appears to count appeared to counter the FCC over disposal requirements and argue that the commission's enforcement arm made no specific findings that the Echo Star Seven provi- poses any orbital debris safety concerns. As the uh, the spokesman said. Um, as the Enforcement Bureau recognizes in the settlement, the Echo Star 7 satellite was an older spacecraft that had been explicitly exempted from the FCC rule requiring a minimum disposal orbit. D 
Dish has a long track record of safely flying a large satellite fleet and takes seriously its responsibilities as an FCC license. A licensee. Yeah. I... I don't trust I've had them. it with Dish Network. Yeah. And everybody, really, like, uh, I've, now that I've been doing, spending more time staring at the night sky, and I downloaded this great app, Stellarium, um, you can point that anywhere, and if there are satellites, and there are all, there's just so many satellites now, you can see exactly what the satellite scooting by is, and there are so many of them that are just leftover rocket parts from yeah. 10, 20 years ago, decommissioned thing. It's, it's insane. And then, you know, just, just last night I missed another launch. I w- should have been able to see, I don't know if I told you this, Dave, I live out in Joshua Tree now. So oh. you can see a lot more of the night sky and I can clearly oh, nice. see when they launch rockets from Vandenberg and there was another Starlink launch like two nights ago that I forgot to go outside in time to see. But yeah, each one of those Starlight Starlink launches results in like another, you know, dozen or so. Oh, we we saw them. Um, we saw the aftermath of them launching, where it was really weird. We, when we were up at the, um, oh god, what's the observatory? Um, Griffith. No, oh. the the big big one that uh, Hubble used to be at. Um, thing begins with an M. It, uh, Mount Wilson. There we go. Oh. Um, but yeah, we were, we were there, and suddenly there was just the weirdest thing. There was just a track of seven like, or maybe more it might have been like 10 plus bright dots in in the sky just going going across the sky in a straight line yeah and we we're like what the hell is that thing and it turned out that was starlink that was uh, another batch of starlink satellites deploying yeah there are over five thousand of them and there is a planned expansion to twelve thousand with a possible later extension to forty two thousand <laughs> wow it's uh, pretty uh, insane andy how'd your first stargazing tour go Oh, it was great. It was super fun. Yeah, Dave, oh, I've, nice. I've got this side gig of sometimes leading um, stargazing tour things. Like the the regular one would be more, if if that were to happen, it would be more fun and consistent, which would be leading a group of like 12 people for a two-hour thing in the national park. And that's a lot more work, obviously, because you're just entirely, their attention is on you for that time, and you'll, you know, sort of plan a... Uh, traversing of the night sky and and talk about lots of different things from astrophysics to mythology and, and things do, like that do you get to like do, do you get to like scatter in any of your old stand-up just in there just, i mean obviously sure nice. well, I've, we talked about this i think it, this came about because caitlin gill is doing it that's her full-time thing now she lives in 29 palms like 10 miles away from me and she's one of the employees of this company and um yeah i've seen her do it and she's very fun and funny and uh so I haven't done that, but I just did this corporate thing down the hill in Palm Springs where it just set up two different scopes. And as people came by, I could talk to them about the things that we were seeing. And luckily, Saturn and Jupiter were out. So we had the one scope, just mostly left it on Saturn. And everybody who came over had the exact same reaction, which is, holy shit. And then that's fake. And they're like half kidding about how it's fake. But they're like, is there like a sticker on here or something? Because, yeah, yeah, when you see look, Saturn, it really is, it does really, like, shake you. It's pretty cool. It does look like, again, I think it was actually at that Matt Wilson thing where we looked at Saturn for the first time. Because they had, um, I've talked about this before on the show. It was, a, it was a few months ago, and it was a great event. They had a talk first, and then afterwards they just let you, they just opened the two massive telescopes and let you 
just take it in turns to look through wherever it was pointed. So it was trained on the moon at first, and then it was trained on some other stuff. And both the moon, and, but also there's other sort of enthusiasts who set up their own smaller telescopes outside. And uh, and a couple of them were pointed at Saturn, and it does look like it looks like a child's drawing. It looks like a drawing of Saturn. It looks right. like a, the emoji yeah. for Saturn. Like it does look ridiculously fake. And I guess because it it's so much closer up through that telescope than you'd expect it to be, but it's still so far away that the rings look inc- entirely smooth. They just look like they've been computer generated. Yeah. Wow. Which I, in the course of prepping for this, I also didn't know until then that those rings are only about 10 meters wide, which is so crazily thin really? for something what, uh, that's... So it's just uh, ref- so the- light reflection? Is, so is- not wide, but the, the, like the depth thick, of them, thick, the actual thickness. Thick, I'm right. sorry. Ten, 10 meters. Oh, and, and you know, the, the rings extend probably like three three Saturn diameters, which I can't even quickly do. I think Saturn is like six times the diameter of Earth. So like, you know, 20 Earths right. across and 10 meters thick. But so that's, so it's visible just because of light reflection then, like the crazy amount of reflection? Because that seems like it wouldn't be. be. Oh, you think it's, it's so thin you're surprised you could see it at all. I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah. ice. It's, I think it's mostly water ice. One of the theories is that it was a moon that, that was mostly ice that, um, fell in its orbit so close to Saturn that it crossed this, um, I think it's called the Roche line or something, where Saturn's gravity overtakes its own internal gravity and just ripped it apart and mm. created oh. this, these rings. While we're talking about surprising width of things, uh, found, <laughs> here's, oh here's a surprising space fact, the uh, width fact that I found out the other day. Australia is wider than the moon. Ah. Uh, yeah, Australia east to west is um, is um, just shy of four thousand kilometers, while the moon's diameter is three thousand four hundred. That explains a lot, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, really makes so yeah, when we when, think. when we flew from uh, yeah Sydney to Perth, we basically you know did the equivalent to traversing the moon. Which wow. I mean, isn't that about yeah. the same as the width of uh, America of of the contiguous forty eight? Or not? I don't know. Or maybe we're uh, even bigger than that. I think I think it's like twenty five hundred or three thousand miles across. No, uh, United States of America is two thousand eight hundred ninety two miles wide at the widest point. So, so it is narrower than the moon. Wait, no, you just said the moon was thirty. Oh, sorry, that's miles. Kilometers. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, that's miles. So yes, it is. America's wider than the moon. Mm-hmm. Yep, we did it. Yeah, <laughs> we made it happen. Unreal. All right, we're back. Yeah. yeah. Now what I else? know why we filmed that stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> America is over 4,600 miles. Sorry, 4,600 ke- kilometers wide. So, yeah, it is It is wider than the moon. Congratulations, yes. Americans. Oh, suck you it, moon. It. Suck it. Feels uh, good. You know yeah. what's not thicker than the moon is this uh, This book that Dave Hill has coming out. Wait, yeah. Uh, let's get one more. Uh, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, let's nice t- tell segue. us about this before we, we close the non-Patreon part of the show and close the main show. Where, Amazing. Yeah, where, where, where can they find it? I'm glad you asked. Uh, people can find it wherever they get incredible uh, books, literary classics, and books about hockey. Uh, you know, wherever wherever you like to get books. I don't want to point anyone in any direction. Uh, other than, you know, the popular uh, book websites have them. Right. The, Am- the AMs and the... 
Yeah, the biggies, but also maybe, you know, the smallies as well. If there's a I'm a big fan of the smallies. Uh, you know, I love those smallies. You go to the smallies mm-hmm. and you, you can, but yeah. You Who get doesn't, a, get Who doesn't love a good smallie? I like a good smallie. Um, sport what? your local smallie, whatever, whatever what? that is. Books, and what's the book? Coffee. What's the book called again? It's called The Awesome Game, One Man's Incredible Globe-Crushing Hockey Odyssey. Um, so check, and where, where can our listeners find you on, uh, on social media? You're back on Twitter again, are you? You're... I am. I mean, I don't. It's weird having been banned for a few years. I've lost that uh, urge to to go on it. So I I go on it sometimes, but the addiction was broken. Yeah, it was broken. um, And uh, but but but, yeah, still everything: Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Threads, Mister Dave Hill, Mr. Mr. Dave Hill. Um, oh, and by the way, I was so bummed. I really wanted to come see you when you were opening for Tenacious D. How did that go? It was amazing. It <sighs> was so fun. Um, it was just such a, uh, I mean, they're such a great uh, band, and, you know, just amazing musicians and so funny. And the show, I, I say this sincerely, I saw Metallica play just a few weeks before the tour with Tenacious D started and I have to say Tenacious D puts on a more entertaining show than oh, Metallica and so and like a bigger a bigger rock show in my estimation they have a giant inflatable Satan they have fire <laughs> well Tenacious, I would say D, that, Tenacious D likes each other so that's probably y- yes, yes. <laughs> probably one and, of the <laughs> and yes they were so they're so nice you know jack and kyle and and their band and their whole crew everyone was so amazingly nice it was like uh it was like a really fun uh i wish i could just do that every day yeah and for the rest of the remainder of my years they really are the best like mike bray and john kaneski are buddies of mine who play with them and i love those guys and they play with the kyle gas band and like seeing Mm -hmm. kyle gas band play at a little bar in burbank for kyle's birthday and who is front row cheering the loudest like jack black is at this at the joe's oh man joe's in burbank and just high-fiving everybody he's so psyched for kyle and yeah it's they're just like the coolest yeah, guys. such yeah. such great. I had just had so much fun and just you know they play for a, a more several more people that I'm used to playing performing <laughs> for. Uh, so yeah, there was like ten thousand people a lot of nights and wow. uh, I got a. Uh, I was I did the last two weeks of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and I bought a BMX bike off some guy while I was in town just because I thought it be nice to be able to tool around town and get some exercise and i started riding it into my edinburgh show because it was this tiny little bike so then i ended up doing the same on getting another bike for mongoose i got i got a bmx sponsorship out of it (laughs) and which is you know take that everyone from high school and grade school um i i rode the bike on stage in the very first night I rode it on and off stage, and the the first night I rode it off, and I rode over some wires on the stage, and the bike slipped out from underneath me, and I just landed on my face, and I got this, (laughs) and like, I I think everyone thought I did it on purpose, and I I wiped out right, and Jack was standing there, 
and I wiped out right in front of him and he's like, Oh, tomorrow we'll get the spotlight to follow you to catch the wipeout. I'm like <laughs> I'm like, that wasn't on pr- I got it and I ended up I had a black eye for like a week of the tour. Just like someone had, and it looked worse and worse. Like a few days in it looked like I'd fully just gotten my ass kicked in a bar fight or something. That's great. But anyway, yeah, it was so much fun. That's so good uh, to hear. Nice. Yeah, it was an absolute uh, blast. You, you can find us, as always. Probably science.com is the website. That's where we put all the show notes, the links to the articles we cover, and also that's where our Patreon and PayPal links are. Probably science at gmail.com is the email address for questions, comments, clarifications, stories you'd like us to cover. And you can also find us on Twitter at Probably Science individually at Jesse Case, at Andy T. Wood, and at Matt Kirshen. And Dave, go and get Dave's book. He's the funniest. He's the best. And listeners, oh, we will you see you next time. Thank you so much. Bye.